Hi everyone, welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of ulnar neuropathies found under the orthopedic section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with the brief introduction. As a reminder, the most common ulnar neuropathies are cubital tunnel syndrome, which is caused by ulnar nerve compression at the elbow, and ulnar tunnel syndrome, which is caused by ulnar nerve compression at the wrist in Guillain's canal. Now let's review some anatomy. Remember that the ulnar nerve is a branch of the medial cord of the brachial plexus. Its sensory function comes from giving branches, which are namely the dorsal cutaneous branch, the palmar cutaneous branch, and superficial terminal branches. The ulnar nerve innervates muscles in the forearm, specifically the flexor carpionaris and the flexor digitorum profundus to the fourth and fifth digit. It also provides innervation to the thenar muscles, specifically the adductor pollicis and the deep head of the flexor pollicis brevis. It provides innervation to some of the fingers, specifically the dorsal and palmar interossei and the third and fourth lumbricals. Remember that the first and second are provided by the median nerve. It also gives innervation to the digiti minimi, specifically to the muscles abductor digiti minimi, opponent's digiti minimi, and flexor digiti minimi. At the elbow, the ulnar nerve pierces the intramuscular septum at the arcade of struthers. Then it enters the cubital tunnel, which has a roof formed by Osborne's ligament as it travels from the medial epicondyle to the olecranon, and a floor formed by the posterior and transverse bands of the MCL. At the wrist, the ulnar nerve enters Guillain's canal, which is created by a floor formed by the transverse carpal ligament, the pisohamate ligament, pisometacarpal ligament, and opponent's digiti minimi. The roof is formed by the volar carpal ligament, the ulnar wall is formed by the pisiform and the abductor digiti minimi, and the radial wall is formed by the hook of hamate. Now let's discuss the presentation of ulnar neuropathies. Remember that it will be the same for both cubital and ulnar tunnel syndrome. There will be paresthesias over the small finger and the ulnar half of the fourth finger and the ulnar dorsum of the hand. Remember that there will be exacerbating activities, which include cell phone use, because of the excessive flexion. Some patients may develop night symptoms, which are caused by sleeping with the arm in flexion. Some patients will have a history of trauma, such as traction of the upper extremity or fracture of the elbow. And also remember that symptoms can be delayed in tardy ulnar palsy. On exam, one may note a claw hand deformity and decreased sensation in the ulnar one and a half digits. Motor deficits will include weakened grasp and a weak pinch and provocative tests for cubital tunnel syndrome include a tunnel sign which will be positive over the cubital tunnel. In terms of further imaging, radiographs are typically normal, and EMG or nerve conduction studies can be helpful to establish the diagnosis. And lastly, with regards to treatment, non-operative options include NSAIDs, activity modification, and nighttime bracing, whereas operative options include ulnar nerve decompression. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to ulnar neuropathies, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old man is brought into the emergency department after a car ran into him while he was riding his bike. The patient is conscious and alert. He states that his arm is in pain and he is requesting morphine. The patient's past medical history is non-contributory, and he is not currently on any medications. His temperature is 97.5 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 124 over 65. Pulse is 122 beats per minute. Respirations are 15 breaths per minute. 
and oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. An initial splint is placed. A radiograph is performed, and physical exam is notable for a hand claw deformity when the patient is asked to extend his fingers. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Axillary nerve injury Choice 2. Median nerve injury Choice 3. Musculocutaneous nerve injury Choice 4. Radial nerve injury or choice 5, ulnar nerve injury. The best answer to this question is, choice 5, ulnar nerve injury. This patient is presenting with the physical exam finding of ulnar claw hand, which suggests a diagnosis of injury to the ulnar nerve. The ulnar nerve receives its innervation primarily from the spinal roots of C8 and T1 and innervates the medial aspect of the forearm, the medial two fingers, which are the little and ring finger, and the interossei of the hand, an injury to the cubital tunnel, compression of Guillain canal, a fracture of the medial epicondyle of the humerus, an ulnar fracture, and a fracture of the hook of hamate can all injure the ulnar nerve. Injury of the ulnar nerve can present with weakness of flexion of the little and ring finger, as well as weakness of abduction and adduction of the fingers, and presents with the classic claw hand appearance. The classic ulnar claw hand will present with hyperextension at the MCP joint due to unopposed extensor digitorum with flexion at the IP joints when the patient is asked to extend their fingers. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Axillary nerve injury is associated with humeral neck fractures and presents with an inability to abduct the arm and loss of sensation of the shoulder joint and skin covering the inferior region of the deltoid muscle. Choice 2. Median nerve injury is associated with carpal tunnel syndrome and would present with weakness of the thumb, pointer, and middle finger, as well as atrophy of the thenar eminence. Choice 3. Musculocutaneous nerve injury is rare and would present primarily with weakness of flexion of the forearm at the elbow. Choice 4. Radial nerve injury is associated with the mid-shaft humeral fracture and would present with weakness of extension of the arm and forearm. Finally, a bullet summary. Injuries to the ulnar nerve can cause the presentation of ulnar claw hand. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for weakness and tingling in his hand. The patient is an avid bodybuilder and has noticed that his grip strength has gradually worsened in both hands, with symptoms worse at the end of a long workout. The patient has a past medical history of anabolic steroid use in high school. His current medications include a multivitamin, fish oil, and whey protein supplements. On physical exam, you note a muscular young man with male pattern hair loss. The patient has a loss of sensation bilaterally over the volar surface of the fourth and fifth digits and over the medial aspect of the volar forearm. The patient has three out of five grip strength of his left hand and two out of five grip strength of his right hand. There is also notable weakness of finger adduction and abduction. The rest of the patient's physical exam is within normal limits. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Brachial plexopathy Choice 2. Cubital tunnel compression Choice 3. Guillain's canal compression Choice 4. Carpal tunnel syndrome Or choice 5. Posterior interosseous nerve compression The best answer to this question is Choice 2. Cubital tunnel compression this patient is presenting with weakness of grip strength and finger abduction and adduction, as well as loss of sensation in the distribution of the ulnar nerve, which includes the volar surface of the medial forearm and the medial two digits, 
suggesting a diagnosis of cubital tunnel compression. Cubital tunnel compression occurs anytime there is trauma or compression of the cubital tunnel, such as in athletes or occupational workers, where there is repetitive trauma or pressure to this area. It presents with symptoms in the distribution of the ulnar nerve distal to the injury. If the cubital tunnel is compressed, symptoms will include a loss of sensation over the volar surface of the medial forearm and medial two digits, and weakness of grip strength in finger abduction and adduction. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. A brachial plexopathy is typically a diagnosis of exclusion when there is weakness or loss of sensation of any area innervated by the brachial plexus. This diagnosis is nonspecific, and there is a better explanation for this patient's symptoms. Choice 3. Guillain's canal compression occurs due to compression of the ulnar nerve at the wrist and presents with symptoms distal to this location. Symptoms would include weakness of grip and loss of sensation over the medial two digits. However, this would not explain the loss of sensation over the medial forearm. Choice 4. Carpal tunnel syndrome occurs due to compression of the median nerve as it traverses the carpal tunnel. It presents with weakness and paresthesias of the lateral three digits. Choice 5. Posterior interosseous nerve compression would present with an inability to contract the muscles on the radial side and dorsal surface of the forearm rather than the ulnar-distributed symptoms in this patient. Finally, a bullet summary. Cubital tunnel compression can result in ulnar distribution symptoms starting at the elbow, including loss of sensation over the ulnar side of the forearm, loss of sensation over the medial two digits, and decreased grip strength. That's all for this review about ulnar neuropathies. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.